You're listening to audio from Seven Mile Road Church in Waltham, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. If you'd like to check out more of our resources or learn more about our church, please visit sevenmilewaltham.com. Okay, so I have 20 minutes, and I promise we're going to get right in there, okay? Um, before we jump into this psalm, because we do want to let this be a time to lead us into prayer, I just want to answer a, a, a question. Why do we take this Sunday, and it's usually the last Sunday, but uh, we didn't meet last week. It's the first Sunday this year. Why do we take one Sunday a year to focus specifically on prayer? Right? It's a good question to, to ask. Uh, to designate just one sermon and then practice it to, together. And there are a number of reasons, a number of ways you can answer that. Two come to mind. The first is this. We focus on prayer in this special way because we need to be reminded how much we need God. Right? We, we need to be reminded that we desperately need His presence. And so this is a time of year where we're evaluating our habits. We're looking over the last year. Maybe we're making some New Year's resolutions, looking back and looking forward. And if we're honest as we make those considerations, we have to recognize that we are spiritually needy people. And if we're spiritually needy people, we recognize we need God's grace. We need God's provision. We need Him as a church, right? We need Him as individuals to fill us with His presence and empower us for what He's called us to do. Therefore, we need to pray. We need to prioritize prayer. That's reason number one, because we're, we're needy people. The second reason is this, and I may be projecting here, but I think it's pretty accurate to say when it comes to prayer, we're just not very good at it, right? I'm not. We're, just, we're not very good at carving out time to seek the presence of the Lord in prayer, we live in a very busy culture, very fast-paced city. Right? There are endless to-do lists in your life and in my life. There's all sorts of priorities that we have to figure out how those fit when it comes to personal goals and family and work and friendships and all, all of those things. And so what easily happens is prayer is sort of pushed to the margins. Right? So we thank God at meals. You know, we, we go through our liturgy on Sundays. Maybe we, when we're really, really needy, we, we, we cry out to God in prayer. And God loves all of those things, but we're just not very good at prioritizing sitting still and seeking God's face in prayer. So we pause once a year with this, this narrowed special focus, right? We need the God to whom we pray, Okay. Now, an obvious place to go in the scriptures, if we're going to talk about prayer, is the prayer book of the Bible. That's what Psalms is, and that's why we find ourselves in Psalms chapter 4 this morning. And we're really, all we're doing in the next few minutes is just drawing out four attitudes of prayer from this psalm. What, what are four things that David is experiencing as he cries out to the Lord, and how can we learn from those? So what, what do we see here? Let me give you the four of them already, then we'll walk through and then we'll put that into practice and pray in these ways. Here we see four things. Desperation, confidence, worship, and expectation. Okay? Prayer is born out of desperation. Prayer exhibits bold confidence in God. Prayer reorients us to right worship of God. And prayer expects blessing in God. That is this psalm 
in a nutshell. So let's, let's jump in and consider each one of those. Number one, desperation. Prayer is born out of desperation. Verse one, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You've given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me. Hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? One of the first things we notice about David's prayer here is the tone of desperation. Right? He, he's in need of help. He's, he's in need of a God who will answer him. He's not nonchalant in this prayer. Lord, if you, you, know, if you have a minute, I'm going through something, and I, I'd love to just talk to you about it, but I don't want to disturb you. I can probably handle it myself. That's not the attitude that David has. That's not how he prays. He, he is in desperate need of intervention. He's in distress. It's the words he uses. He, he needs relief. So where does he go, or to whom does he go in this place of desperation? He goes to God. He goes to God. I'm desperate, Lord. Answer me. I need relief. I'm in distress. I've been here before. Now in verse 2, we, we read of the situation David is in. We don't know all the details, but apparently there are people around David who are dishonoring the Lord, and they're seeking after lies, and this likely includes personal attacks on King David, the Lord's servant. So, so interpersonal conflict, right? And it's enduring, and it's long-term. That's why he says, how long, O Lord? This is something that's been going on for a while, and it seems like there's no end in sight. And so David has come to the end of himself and has turned to God. So friends, whatever the situation is, whether it's conflict, like that of David here in Psalm 4, or, or whether everything is, is going well, if we are going to pray, we must be desperate before God. When you and I are hungry, we eat. Yeah, sometimes even when I'm not hungry, I eat, right? But when we're hungry, we eat. When we're thirsty, we drink. When we're exhausted, we sleep. All of those are physical examples of desperation that we experience every day. Desperation that leads us to something. And brothers and sisters, when we're spiritually desperate, we cry out to God in prayer. Answer me, O God, of my righteousness. Give me relief. Be gracious to me. So if, if you and I want to grow in our prayer life, the first question we need to ask is this. Am I desperate for God? Am I desperate for God? If you're not desperate, you won't pray. Right? If you think you have all the answers, you will never pray to God, answer me when I call. If you think you're righteous in and of yourself, like I'm good, then you'll, you'll never call out to the God of your righteousness. If you think, like a common phrase in New England, I'm all set, right? I'm good. If you think you're all set, you'll, you'll never say, oh God, be gracious to me. I think prayer is one of the, the hardest, most neglected works of the Christian life because pride is the most common and dangerous struggles of the Christian life. There, there is nothing more prideful than walking through life without crying for help to God. Now, I hope you don't hear that as, I'm not trying to guilt you into this, but we're trying to evaluate, why don't I pray? It might be because you're busy. I'm sure that's part of it. It might be these outward circumstances. But 
at a heart level, if you are desperate for God, His presence, His help, His grace, you will prioritize prayer. Lord, make us desperate for You. Right? That's attitude number one. Attitude number two, confidence. Prayer exhibits bold confidence in God. Look again at verse 1 and notice David's boldness and fearlessness as he approaches God in this prayer. He's not sheepish or fearful. Instead, he is confident. Answer me, oh God. You might hear that and be like, wow, and the Psalms are full of that, right? It almost sounds like a demand. But listen, he's not confident in himself. He's not being pretentious or demanding. Hey, God, you owe it to me to give me an answer for this. That's not what he's doing. No, notice what he says. His confidence is because God is his righteousness. Not, he's not saying, I deserve to hear from you. He's saying, you are the God of my righteousness. Therefore, I can confidently call out to you. Then look at, at verse 3. We see more confidence here. He says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. He's confident to approach God also because he knows that God has set him apart. God has chosen him. He belongs to God. Christian, because of Jesus Christ, our Savior, you and I can approach the God of the universe with a confident boldness that he will hear us and answer us accordingly. That's an incredible truth. He, hear what the author of Hebrews says about this. He says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So hear what he's saying here. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has died for us. He is standing in the presence of God on our behalf. He is our righteousness. Hebrews 4.16. And here's the result. Because of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. An amazing gospel truth that we have access to the God of the universe to plead with Him at any hour of the day. My children have no inhibitions about approaching me with requests. Right? They, they, have, they will happily interrupt me. They will happily bring their problems to me at any hour of the day. And that's a good thing. Why? Why do they feel like they can do that? They feel like they can boldly approach their father because they are my children and I'm their dad, right? Brothers and sisters, that's the kind of access we have to God the Father through Christ the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anytime, day or night, any emotion, some of us are tempted to say, I don't know if I can approach God when I'm in that emotional state. Yes, you can. Whatever the situation because of Christ, we can boldly and with confidence approach the throne of grace. Charles Spurgeon on this passage. I was tempted to just get up here and read Spurgeon's sermon, but that's not original. So on verse 3, listen to what he says. He says, Oh, beloved, when you are on your knees, the fact of your being set apart as God's own peculiar treasure should give you courage and confidence 
and inspire you with fervency in faith. Listen to this. Since he chose to love us, he cannot but choose to hear us. Confidence, right? So desperation, confidence, and then number three, the third attitude is worship. Prayer reorients us to right worship. Verse four, David says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So David is, in light of this situation, he's righteously angry, okay? Because there are those who have scorned the truth. They've chosen lies. And so he's, he's angry, yet he knows that his righteous indignation can very quickly turn to sinful anger, right? Paul knows this as well. He quotes this in the book of Ephesians, this verse. So he tells himself, David's telling himself and us, his hearers, he's saying, we should test our hearts in those moments. We should test our inner being and our motives and our desires to make sure they're rightly oriented toward God. So what David is doing in verses 4 and 5 is he's doing what Proverbs 4.23 tells us to do. Keep the heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So it's as if David is saying this. Don't trust your own faculties in this situation. Don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, wisely evaluate your heart and worship and trust the Lord above all. Right? A major temptation in prayer, I know I experience it as well, is to come to God with the sort of list of demands that must be met on our terms, right? Sort of treating God like a cosmic vending machine. Then, when those prayers aren't answered to our liking, we become jaded or even angry with God. But the goal of prayer, what these verses tell us, is the goal of prayer is the same as the goal of all of life. It's the glory of God. It's the worship and trust of the Lord above all things in a loving relationship with him. So if we approach God from a heart of worship and trust, that's what sacrifices means, right? Sacrifices is worship. Then we'll be able to say, whatever the situation, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Right? I may not understand, but I, I trust you. We see this all over the Bible as, as, as saints throughout scriptures are leading their heart to worship and trust the Lord. Psalm 84, 11, I know that the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Right? That's trust in the Lord. Or what about Job? Job 1.21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? What's Job doing? Reorienting his heart to worship. Psalm 115.1, not to us, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. Or what about the man who's desperately longing for his Son to be healed in Mark 9, 24. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. That's worshipful trust. So prayer reorients us, our hearts, to properly trust and worship the Lord. And then fourth and finally, expectation. Prayer expects blessing from God. Look at verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up your light, the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now there's a lot here, but notice three things that David tells us that God gives his people. 
goodness, joy, and peace. See that in verses 6, 7, and 8. Verse 6, David speaks to those who struggle to see God's goodness. Surely that's each of us, right? There, there are times when we, we look at the world around us and we, we look at the darkness within us and we wonder, wow, who, who will show us some good? But the faithful, cry, the faithful cry out in prayer, Lord, lift your face upon us. And the implication is this. The Lord will show us his goodness by giving us his presence. That's what the face of the Lord is. We just celebrated the goodness of God with us in the incarnation. Right? Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us in Christ. He has, as we just heard in the, the, the kids' catechism question, he's placed his presence within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He has given us his goodness. Then in verse 7, David tells us the Lord puts joy in our hearts. More joy than anything this world has to offer. Spurgeon again is helpful here. He says this, Christ in the heart is better than corn in the barn or wine in the vat. Corn and wine are but fruits of the world, but the light of God's countenance is the ripe fruit of heaven. Let my granary be empty. I'm yet full of blessings if Jesus Christ smiles upon me. But if I have all the world, I am poor without him. You hear that? What a motivation to pray. You and I know the many joys of, of life that God has blessed us with in this world, including food and drink and relationships and conversations and all of those things. We know the pleasure and blessing of those things. But, but church, how much more then is the joy of pouring out our hearts to God in prayer, knowing that He hears us, knowing that in His presence is fullness of joy and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. David says that's what God gives us when we seek Him. He gives us goodness, joy, and then finally, verse 8, He gives us peace, the blessing of peace. He keeps us safe in Him. I love how this ends. This short psalm began with a prayer of desperation, likely even a hint of anxiety in David's soul. And how does it end? With contented rest in the Lord. His anxious soul, his anxious heart is calmed and he's put at rest. Friends, this is, this is what is offered us when we come to him in faith and in prayer. I'll close with Jesus call to come to him, which I believe is also not just an invitation to faith in Christ, but also to commune with him in prayer. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together as we move into a time of prayer.